if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can click to, turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to take the whole chapter tonight, and we're going to make our way through the whole chapter, just like we did last week in chapter 8. We come to this section when Paul begins talking about this issue of giving, and then what that looks like in the believer's life, and what that looks like in our life, and this is, this is one of the things, and I, I, I told you guys this, this last week, that you're the easiest guys to preach this to, because this church, you're a giving church. And, um, and I mean, at your heart, you, you're givers and you give. And so, and so Paul is talking to this church in Corinth. And a little bit about this church is they had people coming from all different backgrounds, from all different political persuasions and ethnic backgrounds and different areas and different spiritual backgrounds. And they're all coming together. And so Paul is helping them to understand the Christian life. And if you know anything about Paul's ministry, you realize that Paul really focused on two things. Uh, one, he, he radically focused on getting people saved and then helping save people to get along. And so that's the focus of 2 Corinthians is helping people understand this is how we unify, this is how we find unity, getting people saved and then getting, helping them to understand how to get along. And so that was Paul's message. And so we come to this section in 2 Corinthians where all of a sudden he begins talking about this issue of, of, of giving. And, and in Paul's day in Corinth, this was like, this is like a really new concept. I mean, in Paul's day, much like in ours day, our day, culture believed that, guess what, all of my income is for me, it's for my household, and I shouldn't share any of it. And so Paul begins talking about this issue of, of giving. And, and, and actually, in their day, he's talking about in sending most of the money away to, a, to another group of people that they'll probably never meet or probably never get to know. And so I want to talk to you about this issue of, of giving and and. And actually, I want to give you a little bit of a personal testimony because my heart, I'm, I'm just a giver. Uh, and, and Karen and I, when, when, when we were saved, uh, we were radically saved. And, uh, and one, of the, one, of the change, one of the sermons that actually changed our life, one was hearing the gospel for the first time and responding to that and then hearing about this issue of, of giving. And it just radically, it radically changed our life. And so this morning I'm sitting and I'm, I'm like watching it snow and kind of wondering, well, well, does this mean we're going to get one inch or 91 inches of snow? Because really nobody knows. And, and so I'm watching it snow and I'm, and I'm thinking about this sermon. And listen, let me tell you something. When, whenever I talk to like young preachers about learning to preach, one of the things that I, I talk to them about is just the importance for a preacher to take the text and say, how does this affect me? I mean, how do I deal with this text? What are the, what are the things in this text that, that I need to learn or maybe I need to change or is encouraging to me? Because if not, as a preacher, all of a sudden you live your life and you're preaching at people and it's always how they should change or how they should apply it, but it, they never look inward. And so this is really important to me. So this morning I'm sitting there and I'm watching it snow. It's like those, the big snowflakes. It's just like gorgeous. And, and I'm watching it snow. And then all of a sudden I start thinking about this sermon. And I, thought, I start thinking, see, Paul's going to talk to us about why we give, just why we give. And so I, I ask myself this question, Charlie, why do you give? And it's a fair question, right? I mean, why do you give? And I, I came up with like 10 things, and I kind of shrunk it down because this needs to be an intro and not the whole sermon. I want to give you a few of those. And one of the things, one of the reasons I give, I am a better person when I give. That may seem narcissistic, but I, listen, I am a better person when I'm generous. I'm a better person when I give. 
Uh, Pre-COVID, one of my favorite things to do in the neighborhood, when I'm driving through the neighborhood or Karen and I are walking through the neighborhood and there's the kids like at the Kool-Aid stand, right? You know, they, they have their Kool-Aid stand, stand and they're, they're like, you know, they're, they're pretty poor business people because they're drinking up all of their profits. I mean, they literally, their face is going to be stained permanently red. They've drank so much Kool-Aid. And then they'll tell you 50 cents, 75 cents, a dollar, whatever, and then to hand them $5 and turn and walk away. And you hear them just screaming, Mom, Mom, you're not going to believe this. And there's something, listen, there's something that happens, or the Girl Scout cookies, right, coming out of Walmart or whatever, and it's a really tough day for them, and just to stop and bless someone, just to be generous. Listen, I am a better person. I'm a better person when I'm generous with my money. I'm a, because it reminds me of things. Another thing that I just jotted down was just this, and I give because I've committed my life to the one who has asked me to give. I give. Because I have committed my life to the one that has just asked me to give. And if I can trust him with eternity, I ought to be able to trust him with my finances. I ought to be able to trust him with those things. When, when you look at this issue of salvation, and we'll talk about it with Jesus. Whenever Jesus, whenever the scriptures talked about giving, it was always tied with a promise. And you even see this with Paul. Here's another thing that I wrote down. I, I give to keep myself under the umbrella and the protection of God. I bring God into my, my finances. And Karen and I, we, we just have so many stories of, of giving stories and how God blessed or some things that God worked out. One of, the, one of the big stories that Karen and I talk about a lot, in 1995, we came here, we planted Fellowship of the Rockies. 1997, we really needed to buy a house. And in um, a long story short, uh, Brittany was in the fifth grade. She's reading in the paper. Uh, she says, here's the, here's the house for us, which became the house for us. And we bought the house from a wonderful Christian couple, uh, um, the Hawkins, Linda Hawkins and, and, uh, and, uh, and her husband. I can't remember his name right now. I know some of you guys know, but, uh, but it's okay. You know, I, I don't. I'll figure out. See me after the service and tell me, please. They're just a wonderful couple. And, um, and so we needed a down payment on this house. And we'd already liquidated everything. We're church planters, and the church didn't really pay us in those days and, and, uh, or much. And so, and so we needed a down payment. All of our cars were paid for, so we, we did a bridge. We started doing a bridge loan. And so we're leveraging our cars, and our, we had a boat and a boat trailer. I mean, we're like leveraging kids and everything else, trying to come up with enough money for the down payment. And we're about $2,200 short. And we didn't know how we did, were going to do it, but we knew God wanted us to, We figured God wanted us to have this house. Well, what, what had happened was prior to that, we had a house in Houston that we could not sell. And so we had to rent it, and so we had a renter, and he was a, it just went bad. He was a bad renter, and he did some damage, moved out without paying us, and he owed us $2,200. But he wouldn't pay us. And so now we're sitting in this issue, and we're, we're $2,200 short, and we don't know how God's going to close this gap. We think he is. I receive a, a phone call, and this was two years prior. I receive a phone call from this guy. His name's Rick, and Rick calls me and said, Hey, Charlie, I just want you to know, I really, really feel bad what we did to you. I was going through a divorce. It was a horrible time. Um, I, I just feel horrible. Uh, I went to a church. I met Christ, and I want to make things right. Do I still owe you $2,200? Is, is that still what I owe you? I go, is that still what you owe me? And he goes, well, give me your address, and I'll, send, I'll overnight you $2,200. And, and so, listen, we know that, that that was God who actually did that. And so one of the reasons I give is just, just to bring God into my finances. And another one I give, I give because I love our church. 
And I love the mission of Fellowship of the Rockies, that we want to see people encouraged and forgiven and set free and empowered and then serving in the way that God has designed them. And, and when, when I share in that ministry through my giving, when, when I watch people go through baptism, I know I'm, I'm a part of that story. I may not know that individual, but I am a part of that story. And it's a reminder to me that life isn't all about me. I mean, one of the, one of the things that really impacted Karen and I here a while back and, is when we went to Mimbezi, Africa, and we're, 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 we're in this shuttle we're, we left the lodge. We're headed to, to Mimbezi. We're headed to the mission for the very, very first time. And we roll up on that mission, and for the first time, we saw the church that we built together. $50,000 is what that church costs. It's like this story that Paul is talking about. Paul is talking to this group of Christians about giving money to the Macedonian church and to help them, a group of people they'll probably never see this side of heaven. It's like one of those stories. And we, we pulled to Mimbezi and we see the, the church that, that we built, that we actually built together. It took all of us giving towards that, the water well that we put in. And I'm watching the orphans. I'm watching these orphans pump water, clean water. The whole village has water. And I'm watching them pump water and then haul water to the garden that, guess what, that, 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 that we gave money towards and the chickens and for protein and all of these other things. And then, and then I walk into this church and I worship for the first time. And we're worshiping. And at the front of the altar to the right, there's like this blue felt or whatever sign that just simply says, Fellowship the Rockies. And I'm thinking, I'm a part of that. I'm a part of that because of giving and some of these other things. I give. One of the reasons I give, I, I love the mission of this church. I love the mission of this church that we are geared to find people that far away from God without judging them and presenting the gospel to them and then discipling and mentoring them to where they know that they are encouraged, forgiven, they can be set free, empowered to do ministry, then one day serving in the way God designed them. It is an amazing thing to get to serve along people that were like five years prior to this were like very far away from God. And the, la the last thing they were thinking about was joining with a church and serving. And I give. Because God has given nothing but his best for me. You cannot live out the gospel without giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. And he gave his one and his only son. And when you look at this issue, man, you can, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without, give, without giving. And you look at this motivation. See, this is what Paul's talking about. Paul is laying out, this is why I give, this is why we give. And so I know that's a long intro, and we'll walk through this uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. We're going to walk through these, and I'll give you three things. And, and verse 6 says, the point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. When you look at that word, it's, well, it is hilarious because that's what that means in the Greek. The Greek word for cheerful giver, giver is hilarious. It's where we get our word hilarious. And so it says Paul loves a cheerful giver. In other words, he, he wants us, listen, he wants us to be happy about our giving. I mean, suppose it's your anniversary. 
And, and all of a sudden, your mate throws a brown paper sack down in your lap and says, well, there's your anniversary pre present. I didn't want to get it, get it for you. It cost way too much money, but I, would, I knew you would gripe if I didn't do it, so here it is. That gift doesn't do much for you, right? But on the other hand, if your mate walks into the room and, and buys a thoughtful gift and wraps it, and then writes a little note and a card and says, you deserve so much more than this. And when I have the re resources, someday I'm going to give you a lot more. That gift means a lot more because of the motivation behind the gift. And then verse 8, he goes on and says, he says, And God who is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, also having everything you need, you may excel in every good work, as it is written. He distributed freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Man, when we give, and we're going to be careful with this text, and I'll talk to you about that. But when we give to the Lord's work, he promises to return it to us many times. Verse, verse 11. And you will be enriched in every way for all generosity which produces thanksgiving to God through us. And listen, I... I hesitated to even point out this verse because it's, it's been so misused. It's been so abused by prosperity gospel preachers that will tell you that if you give that to their cause, or if you sow a seed into their cause, if you sow a hundred seed or you sow, sow a thousand seed, that God's going to return it to you like a hundredfold. And because of that, you're going to live life large and you're going to be rich and you're going to drive BMW and, and, and go on expensive vacations and all of those other things. But listen, this is not what Paul is talking about. God would not honor that type of motivation of giving. A, a lost person would give to those kinds of returns. And so we're not promised that we'll be rich financially in every way, but he says, look at this, he says that you're going to be enriched in every way. And so riches are not always material. Maybe God wants to make you rich in faith, or maybe God wants to make you rich in character or family or humility or patience or, or friends, and he promises to supply your need and to make you rich in a lot of different ways. Listen, not everybody can handle a financial blessing. And not everybody can steward well of financial blessings. And God's riches just aren't financial. And do I believe that God wants to pr prosper his children? Absolutely. I mean, the, the scriptures are littered with that. But not just so we can indulge ourselves, but so that we can bless others. Prosperity in the scriptures isn't always measured just in dollars. And what Paul was saying is that we are blessed to bless others. We're blessed to serve others. We're blessed to help others. And the blessings of God, what Paul is trying to help us understand, are not an end to themselves. And if we use a blessing selfishly, then the blessing can actually turn into a, 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 to an idol or even to a curse. And God's rewards, when you look at this, especially what Paul is saying, God's rewards are not always immediate. The, the farmer one season he sows and the next season he reaps. The, the harvest is not always immediate. He, he reaps in another season. And a Christian who gives generously should not like expect to win the lottery the next day. In fact, much of our reward, what Scripture tells us will be eternity. If, if, you, if you life journal with us. We just, just recently life journaled through Mark chapter 10 with a rich young ruler. And we learned in that story that if you're not careful, that, that riches, possessions in your life can turn to be an idol. And one of the things about giving 
giving breaks greed in your life. Because it's a reminder to you and it's a reminder to me that, that we steward the resources that God gives us. And so when Jesus dealt with the rich young ruler, Jesus didn't tell him that you have to sell everything to go to heaven. It wasn't an issue of salvation. Jesus talked to him about the issue of, or the importance of giving even at the point of salvation. And if you and I are givers, Scripture is clear that God will bless you. And this man walked away from him because his wealth was an idol, and he walked away from him. And so Simon, like Simon's the one that is always saying the thing that everybody else is like thinking. And Simon all of a sudden asks a question, and, and Simon says in Mark chapter 10, verse 28, he says, and, and, and Peter uh, began to tell him, look, we have left everything and, and followed you. We just want to make sure that you, you get that, you understand that. And, and then Jesus responded and said, truly, I tell you, Jesus said, there is no one who's, who's left house, brother or sister or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time houses, brothers and sisters, mothers, children, and fields with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. But many who are first will not be last, and the, first, and the last will be first. Scripture talks about this issue of sacrificial giving. And Scripture talks that God keeps records, and he's no person's debtor, that if you sacrifice for him, he promises you that he will return it. Sometimes the reward is delayed. Sometimes it's not until heaven. But the scripture says that, there, that he will return it. I mean, when you look at this for eternity, that's like, that's like long-term investing. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, he goes on and says, and you'll be enriched in every way for all generosity which produces thanksgiving to God through us. And he tells him you'll be enriched in every way. Why? To be, to be generous in every way. Giving money is a lot like giving blood. God replenishes it. And that we're to be a conduit to just let it flow in our life. So I want to give you just three things. I know that's a long intro but before the principles. But I want to give you three principles. And the first one is this, is giving meets the needs of others. Giving meets the needs of others is what Paul is talking about, especially with the church in Macedonia. Verse 12, for this ministry of, of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in the many expressions thanks to God. And New Testament believers gave to the church through the ministry of the church. It met needs. And when you give to Fellowship the Rockies, you, get, you meet needs in this community. That's one of, the one, one of the things that I love about our community or about our church is that we're in the community. I hear, that's probably one of the most common phrases that people use in the community when they meet me and they hear that I'm one of the pastors at Fellowship the Rockies. They say, they say it's unbelievable. Fellowship the Rockies is like everywhere in this community. Whether it's supporting schools, adopting schools, single moms, oil change, or other things. It's, it's like you guys are everywhere. And when you give to this church, you meet the needs of a community. You also meet the needs of people in the church. You meet the needs of people in Mimbezi. You meet the needs of people in, in, in Haiti. You meet the needs of people around you. A story was just relayed to me just recently that happened. And it was through someone that attended our church. And, and someone new moved uh, to, to, to the neighborhood where we had someone in our church that lived there. And they went through a really difficult, this family moved in. They were new to the community. They went through a difficult financial time. And so they come in and they, they needed some resources. And our church resourced them. 
and we met their needs financially. We have story after story after story like that in this church, that when we give to this church, that we meet the needs of people. The second principle is this, is, is giving as a testimony of your faith. Giving is a testimony of your faith. It's a giving a testimony of my faith. Verse 13, because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And when you realize that, a, that a, when a church gives, that's a testimony. It's a testimony of your faith. It's a testimony of our faith as a church. Our church is known as a giving church in this community of meeting needs and ministering to people. And the only way that we do that is through your faithful giving together. The third and the last thing is this, is giving is an expression of thanks to God. Thanks be to God, verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And God gave to us generously his own son, and as a result of that, we can have eternal life. 1 John 4, 9, 19 tells us we love because he first loved us. God gives to us what the Scripture tells us. God gives to us cheerfully. The Scripture says that no one took Jesus' life from him, but he laid his life down on his own accord. He laid his life down willingly for us. Hebrews 12, 2 says this. It says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay, lay before him, he endured the cross, des despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And every time you give and every time I give, it's an act of worship. And every time we give, it's an act of faith. And when you look at this issue of giving, it's a testimony that we can trust him. And that we can trust him, we can trust him with our finances, we can trust him with our resources, and we can trust him with our life. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?